Welcome to Soft Landing, the podcast that makes interior design accessible to everyone. Hey guys, I'm Amy. I'm an interior designer, artist, and space planner. I'm here to talk about everything you need to know about interior design, from furniture to finances. I'm sharing over a decade of experience to help you find real design solutions and craft the space of your dreams. Hey there again, everyone. It's your friend Amy here. And, you know, in the interior design world, once in a blue moon, we get some really piping hot tea to serve at the gossip table. And today is one of those days. I know that some of you lovely listeners are interior designers and design professionals. So you have likely heard about this news last week, but a lot of you out there are DIYers and interior design fans, so this might be the first time you are hearing about this whole situation. So I want to give as much background info as I can. And I mean, this is juicy stuff. This is, I think, one of the craziest things that has happened in the 14 years I've been in this industry. And I'm going to give you the facts, just straight, plain facts, and then I'm going to tell you how I feel about it because, well boy, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about what is going on right now. So the headline is that two of the largest and most iconic, most competitive furniture companies in the commercial interior design world have merged, or rather one has absorbed the other. I'm talking about Herman Miller and Knoll, which are two classic furniture companies, both of whom have been around for decades. This is a $1.8 billion acquisition, and both companies are publicly held and traded on the NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange, respectively, so this was no small move when it comes to business decisions. Let's go into a little bit about both of these companies so we can understand who they are and what they represent. So Herman Miller was founded in 1905 in Zeeland, Michigan. Herman Miller, the person, was a Michigan businessman who helped his son-in-law buy the company, which was originally named the Star Furniture Company, and made mostly solid wood bedroom sets. But the company pivoted to modern laminate furniture during the Great Depression. Beginning in the late 1940s, Herman Miller commissioned designs from incredible talents such as Ray and Charles Eames, Alexander Gerard, and Isamu Noguchi, which are all iconic mid-century modern pieces that are still in common use today. In the early 1960s, Herman Miller developed a line of furniture called the Action Office that was heavily research-based and aimed to support the needs of the modern office. Noting that unlike the open concepts commonly used at the time, office workers required both privacy and interaction. This really pivoted Herman Miller into the office giant that they are today. Currently, Herman Miller is on the forefront of research and new ways of thinking about the office and how we work, whether it's designing new styles of desks and private offices to innovating conference rooms. Herman Miller is a huge player in the world of commercial furniture. 
You may recognize Herman Miller's Aeron chair. This is a desk chair that is marketed as the world's most popular chair available in three sizes, and it sits in the Museum of Modern Art and New York's furniture collection. Completely iconic. Noel, and that's spelled K-N-O-L-L, I was doing some voice dictation to prep for this episode, and my voice notepad kept spelling it N-O-E-L, like Noel Gallagher. Noel was founded in 1938 in New York City by Hans Noel. They moved production to East Greenville, Pennsylvania, which is where they are still located today. In the 50s, Hans passed away and his wife, Florence Knoll, took over the company. She had already been heading up the design department, and Florence is really quite the icon in the industry of interior design. She worked tirelessly to promote interior design as a professional pursuit rather than a decorative hobby and introduced the idea of programming and planning, not just aesthetics, into interior design. Because Florence was so well-networked, she brought a huge cast of characters on board to design a full catalog of furniture. Knoll is like its own museum of classics. Designers such as Annie Albers, Henry Bertoia, Marcel Breuer, Aero Saarinen, and of course Florence herself designed amazing pieces. Knoll has over 50 pieces of furniture in the MoMA collection, including the Barcelona chair, the tulip table, the womb chair. They also have an extensive luxurious textile line. Knoll is completely devoted to providing workspaces with style and sophistication and always a strong modern point of view. So that's the background on these two companies, both of which have a lot of similarities. In fact, the press release states, This highly complementary combination will create the preeminent leader in modern design, catalyzing the transformation of the home and office sectors at a time of unprecedented disruption. Herman Miller shareholders will own about 78% of the combined entity, while Knoll shareholders will hold about 22%. The deal is expected to close by the end of the third quarter in 2021. So those are the facts. And now you get to hear my opinion. I thought this was a poorly timed, belated April Fool's joke. I mean, these are two very competitive companies that have been going up against the same projects for decades. It, I mean, it's basically like Coke bought Pepsi. Both of these companies really make their bread and butter via office furniture or workstations, or as some people still refer to them as cubicles, and open office design like benching. But the press release said it all. It's a sign of the times. Because of the pandemic, and because most offices have increased their ability to work from home, if not completely transitioning to being 100% remote, people have been saying that the office is dead. And I fully disagree with that sentiment, but I do think the way we design offices and the way offices function has to change in order to support the shift towards working from home and incorporating remote workers with in-person workers. But the pandemic and the associated recession clearly had an impact on both of these companies 
because many of their typical clients and major projects were put on hold indefinitely in 2020. Even though I love both of these companies independently, this merging is amplifying a recent phenomenon in the commercial furniture industry, and it's a trend that I take issue with. Both of these companies have a large umbrella network of other brands, smaller brands, some more residentially focused, some not. Between the two of them, there are a total of 19 brands. Herman Miller, for example, bought the retail chain Design Within Reach in 2014. So there are some companies that will sell retail, others that still are to the trade only. But the idea is that both of these are giant corporations that have many brands under them. This is something that's happened within the past five-ish years and has been getting more and more intense over the past few years. Before, there were many furniture companies to choose from. Now that larger corporations have been acquiring or quote-unquote partnering with smaller furniture brands, what was a vast landscape of options has become a smaller menu of four or five huge sets of brands. So here's the problem with this. When an office has been designed, what the designer will do is pick one large manufacturer who is responsible for the bigger pieces in the space, like the workstations or cubicles as some people call them. A lot of times that includes conference tables, all of the chairs. If you ever have counted how many task chairs are in your office, you'll know that's a huge percentage of the furniture in the space. And then the designer will be able to recommend other maybe newer furniture companies or local furniture companies for some of the smaller pieces in the cafes, the pantries, in reception as fun little pops that add visual interest. That's where a lot of the customization and creativity comes in in office design. And an interior designer's knowledge base is key to executing this. When these larger companies are acquiring smaller companies, they really push you to use their quote-unquote partner's product. It's very much an upselling strategy because, of course, one single company would love to sell you every scrap of furniture in the space you're designing. Before, a designer's selections for these smaller accent pieces were not really questioned because the larger brands had a limited selection of accent pieces and it was understood that there should be unique moments throughout the space and the larger companies couldn't always provide that. But now that every large brand has 10 to 20 smaller brands under them, a designer's selections are always scrutinized, and the larger furniture companies often try to make it about price and cost effectiveness. If you buy everything from mega company X, your discounting will go from 50% to 75%. How could you say no to that? But here's the thing. There are still a healthy handful of independent brands that are making awesome products for great price points, and new companies are showing up all the time. If a smaller brand is owned by one of these larger companies, and a certain project is using a different larger company, the project is kind of shut off from these other brands. No one will say you can't use those brands, but they will do everything in their power to discourage you from using them. 
And it stops being about what is the best product for the job and starts being about what is the best sales strategy for the furniture company. It becomes more about this transactional business deal to feed these giant conglomerates the majority of the furniture in a project, rather than about what is the right furniture for the job and what's going to yield the best design. And us designers have been getting more and more pressure from furniture dealers, owners reps, and our own project managers to use a full family of products rather than our own knowledge base of the entire industry of commercial furniture. Designers have to be able to select from the full extent of a product offering and not be limited to 10 brands or 15 brands or even 20 brands. There are hundreds of furniture brands out there. An interior designer needs to be able to use their experience and expertise to select the furniture pieces that function correctly for the specific project and have the right look for the project rather than being caught up in corporate structures that are pushing us to use something because it'll put more money in the pockets of the 1%. It's not what's best for the design. This kind of one-stop shop mentality yields less customization and more offices that will look just like a single furniture brand showroom. It's exactly the reason I discourage my residential clients from using those cheesy bedroom sets for their home. There's no life or interest involved. It's just copy-paste. And all of this has been going on in the furniture industry prior to the Knoll and Herman Miller merger. Like, this has been happening individually with probably the five largest furniture companies in the United States and Canada. And now these two companies have their own house of brands and their own collections, and you're merging them into this mega Frankenstein machine. And frankly, it's a huge potential problem because it's limiting competition within the industry. It's going to exacerbate a problem that exists already and take it to the next level. So what can be done about all of this? It is key for us designers to push for small, local, and new furniture companies to be involved in projects. We have to stay informed about costs, lead time, and customization limitations. It's so important to think creatively and to stand behind our designs. With all of the changes that are coming to the workplace post-COVID, the need for these massive workstations and workbenches or even private offices is really going to decrease and the focus is going to be on providing more collaborative furniture settings that are open and allow people to meet in a distanced and comfortable way. And that really opens up the playing field to more independent furniture lines because the furniture types are more varied. Instead of having a sea of workstations, you'll have more small vignettes of seating that can be supplied in part or fully by smaller companies. Can you imagine an office where no one has an assigned desk and in fact there are probably a minimal amount of desks period and the rest of the square footage is dedicated to informal and formal meeting spaces, very similar to the way a coffee shop or a co-working space is set up. The office of the future is all about meeting and collaborating and talking to one another because goodness knows we are all Zoom fatigued and we want to meet in person. We want to collaborate with our coworkers 
And we want to do it in a way that feels safe and not necessarily stuffing 12 people into a tiny conference room. There's certainly a percentage of office workers who need to go into the office for quiet heads down work because for one reason or another, their home environment is disruptive. But that will not take up the majority of office space in the near future. And even so, these work points will not look like the desks we're used to seeing in the office. Whether they're large phone booths or dedicated chambers of silence, these private, quiet focus rooms will be less of the rule and more of the exception. Well, that's the long and short of it, and those are my feelings on this whole major merger. If you have any thoughts on this, the merge of Herman Miller and Noel, head on over to the podcast's Instagram. It's at Soft Landing Podcast, and send me a little message. I'd love to hear what you guys are thinking about this. Maybe you guys think it's a good thing. I'd love to hear some alternate viewpoints. Let's definitely keep the discussion going. And if you're enjoying this podcast, feel free to give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can even write me a little message over there. And I so look forward to chatting with you again in the next episode. Bye.